Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their their leadership insight and advice. Welcome back to another episode of When Hers United, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, and I truly appreciate you listening in. This is season nine, episode three, entitled Reassess When Necessary with Monica Rivera. Before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you more about me and When Hers United, the podcast. I believe that success leaves clues. And When Hers United, the podcast was created to give you the clues you need to succeed in business, mindset, personal development, and self-care. These are the four pillars we stand on here at When Hers United, which is why they are emphasized so we can all live a complete and fulfilled life, both personally as well as professionally. If it's not too much to ask, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Then write us a review. As a thank you, I'll be giving shout outs on future episodes to those that take a moment to do this. Now, without further ado, let's get into season nine, episode three, entitled Reassess When Necessary with Monica Rivera. We're back with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur. So Monica, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk to you and to chop it up on the mic because we do it a lot offline. So it's nice to talk to you over here. Yes, 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 yes. So before we get started, I'll let you know more about Monica. As she alluded, we actually met back in 2019. We both were speakers at PodFest and we've established a relationship since then and we keep in touch, right? But today I get to share her with you. So Monica Rivera is a reformed self-doubter, community builder, speaker, and strategic motivator. She's determined to prevent you from settling for a mediocre life. She's the creator of You Want to Do What? Which is a consultancy and podcast motivating women of color to go from stuck to start with mindset shifts and small scale actions. And she's the founder of Slow AF Run Club, an unapologetically slow running and yoga community rooted in fitness without competition. If that wasn't enough, she's also a TEDx speaker who's been featured in O Magazine, The Huffington Post, NPR, and Business Insider. So again, Monica, I'm so excited and you are just so amazing. I'm reading this thing like, I mean, we've been knowing (laughs) each other, but like I'm learning some things here. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. It's so weird. I'm blushing just to kind of hear it. It's it's weird to talk about yourself. So, but thank you for that. Yes. All right. So let's jump right in. So let's talk business. I know personally that you are a full-time entrepreneur, but tell us about what the catalyst was that took you from employee to entrepreneur and how that transition was for you. Yeah, for sure. So I think I've been feeling it probably like my entire life, this desire to be an entrepreneur. And so I'm first generation Latina. My parents are born in different countries. And I remember growing up, you get asked that question, what do you want to be when you're growing up? 
And so I always had these really creative answers and I wanted to own my own business. I wanted to work in music and do A&R. And I had all these different ideas of things I wanted to do. But you know, your parents are doing the best that they can, although you don't really realize it at the time. We're very much of that immigrant mentality of just get a job that's stable, secure, and that's it. Just sort of be happy with your check kind of thing. And so that's really every time I came up with a new idea, I was met with that same line. And so I kind of grew up with this thinking of, you know, I guess all these ideas that I have for myself are just going to be hobbies. They're nothing I'm really going to make money doing. And so when I was 16, my mom passed away. And then I had some other family members pass away, which I talk about in my TEDx talk. And at that point, the idea of doing anything entrepreneurial was completely out of my mind because now I was in survival mode. And I was on my own figuring out how I was going to pay for college, where was I going to live? And ain't nobody got time to think about starting a business, working for peanuts. Like I'm all here, like I need to pay rent. I need to go to school. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with myself because the safety net is completely gone. And so I basically did that. I looked for the highest job, paying job that I could get out of college. And I climbed that corporate ladder. And once I got to my mid-30s, I felt really unfulfilled. I started to look around and I thought, well, one, you're not in survival mode anymore, which is a funny thing because I still felt very much like I was in survival mode. I felt like I was in a video game, like kind of always needing to run and outrun my past and outrun the circumstances and all that. And then I actually stopped and looked around and said, you know, I think you're okay. Like there's nobody chasing after you. There's nothing. The sky isn't falling at this particular moment. What is it that you want to do? And I was just really tired of feeling like I was just rinse and repeat in this corporate job, not doing anything else. And coincidentally, I believe the universe speaks to you and they kind of tell you what you're supposed to be doing. And it's up to us as to whether or not we listen. So up until that point, I had done a good job in corporate. I was getting promoted, all those things. And then I got to this one particular job and I felt like no matter what I did, everything I thought that was an opportunity, the door was closed. And it was like, what is happening here? Why are these doors not opening for me the way they've done in other jobs? And I knew it was because this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing anymore. And that was the point where I decided to make a change. Listen, look, that girl, that's a whole you need to do. Where, when is the book coming out? It's my first <laughs> question. OK, listen, <laughs> condolences about your mom. You know, even though Thank I know you. it's been a long time. Right. That is something hard to deal with in general. But at 16, you know, a lot. Yeah, right. For sure. You talked about something that I feel like a lot of people of color have to deal with. And I know I did personally with the whole get a job, you know, like that's what most of our forerunners, ancestors, <laughs> that's what they knew. Right. Where, yep. you know, unless entrepreneurship was in your family, the mentality is get a job. Right. So I definitely know that a lot of people can relate to that. So talking about being unfulfilled. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I think that's a gem within itself, because I feel like a lot of people are unfulfilled but haven't given themselves that permission to figure out what's really going to fulfill them. Right. So I love your example of doing that. And then I think it was a gym. Like, I don't know, it might have went past somebody because it almost <laughs> went past me. Right. Like you had to take a moment to tell yourself you're OK. You know, because sometimes do, do we realize that we're OK? We don't. So I like to give this analogy 
So think about like this feeling. I think we can relate. You've probably been there. I know I've been there many times where you feel almost like your back is against the wall. So if you think about your back being against the wall, all you can see is like what's right in front of you. So that's 180 degrees, right? So you're very limited by what's in front of you. But if you take three or four steps forward, now you can actually see a 360 degree view. You can see behind you the stuff that you couldn't see because you felt like your back was against the wall. So for me, I felt like I don't have any other option. I have to keep running. I have to keep making this money. I have to keep grinding. I have to keep feeling unfulfilled. And it was only when I actually checked myself. And this was uh, through me just sort of journaling. I went to therapy. I started to really just kind of assess where I was at that I realized, Monica, you're not in that same place anymore. And when I took those proverbial steps forward, that's when I could start to see everything that was around me. And the opportunities that I couldn't see was because I was still living like my life was against the wall. Mm, All right, y'all. Podcast over that. I mean, this, this was just <laughs> like I got chills. I love it. I love it. That's a word. You know, if you don't take anything from this, you know, take a step back and assess what you have going on. Right. Like that was a word. Look, you talked about journaling. You talked about therapy. We're going to get into that, though. We got we got more segments to come. But you, you speak in my language and I love it. <laughs> so let's talk about you have two things going on simultaneously right now. Right. You have mm -hmm. you you want to do what and slow AF run club. Right. So yes. I introduced the business, but tell us more. Yeah. So you wanted to what actually started back in 2017. And that was in response to me being in corporate America. And I was so damn tired of other people telling me who I was supposed to be, what I was supposed to talk about, and just putting me in their box. So when I originally started the podcast, I decided, F what you want me to talk about. I'm going to talk about everything that I want to talk about. And I did that for about 130 episodes. And then I sort of hit this wall where I felt like the pandemic is here. I don't know if I really feel that same message that I was speaking anymore. And so the last thing I ever wanted to do was to work with clients or to get behind a mic and feel like I was no longer being authentic, that I was just showing up for the sake of showing up and not really adding value. And most importantly, being completely insincere to the listeners. And so I basically took a step back from that business and let my clients know, you know, this is where I am right now. And they understood. And I took a step back from the podcast and started to reassess. And in that time, I was wanting to get outside. So I live in New York and the pandemic is real up here. And so we're out here just, you know, kind of staying in our houses. And I was over it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start running. I've had this love-hate relationship with running. And I have to say, I do not consider myself a runner. And 17 months later, I still don't consider myself a runner. So I just <laughs> want to be clear about that. So I went and I challenged myself, like, you know what? Don't worry about time. Don't worry about how far you go. Just make a commitment that you're going to go outside three to four times in the morning and run. And I chose the morning because when you're not a runner, and you are sucky when you want to do that around as few people as possible. Cause it's embarrassing when you run like one block and you holding your knees and you're bent over and you can't breathe. Right. So I thought, okay, well, it's the morning time. It's a pandemic. This is probably a great time to kind of get out there and just see what I have. And I kept doing that. And I was like, okay, just meeting my goal of showing up three or four times a week. 
And then I got injured about three months into it. I went out for a quick run because, you know, I was feeling myself, thought I could go out for a quick run. And I had a bunch of things to do that day. And sure enough, I ended up hearing a pop in my calf. And I was about a mile and a half from home. And I had to drag myself and my leg home because, again, it was about 6.15 in the morning on a Sunday. I had to drag myself home. And at that point, every Sunday, I would try to test on my calf, see if I could run again. By the time I could, it was like two and a half months that had gone by. And I just didn't have the endurance anymore. I felt like I was right back in square one. Mm -hmm. And this, again, the universe speaks to you. I got an email from Meetup saying, start an outdoor adventure group. Now, Nicole, I am someone who analyzes everything. I do not jump into things. But all the things that have ever meant something to me, I've just not thought about it and jumped into. Mm. I saw that email. And in the next hour, I had created a name, which is Slow AF Run Club. Very clear. If you're Slow AF and you want to run with other people, this is for you. And you live in this immediate area. I created a logo and I was off to the races. The first meetup I held, the event was on a Sunday. I didn't think anyone was going to show up except me and my best friend that I had dragged. Seven people showed up and that was in September, 2020. And now we have over a thousand community members. Yes. And I'm still not a runner. I'm telling you, I'm not a runner. You're not going to find me signed up to any races, anything, but I still show up for myself without the pressure of time and distance and all that. Right, right. I love that. I feel like it is so many again, gems to glean from what you just said, right? Like how what you were doing is just something wasn't there, you know? So mm-hmm. again, you had to take that step back or you chose to, you didn't have to, you could have kept mm-hmm. going and maybe giving mediocre things, you know, cause if it's not, if you're not feeling it, you're not going to put a hundred percent into it. Right. right. Like you could feel that. Right. So you could have kept going, but you chose to respect yourself you know, listen to yourself and take a step back. Right. Love that the people that you work with supported you in that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's very important to have supportive people around you. Oh, my goodness. Like we share a similarity. Right. I'm a I bet you if you did a skills assessment, if you haven't done one already, like the what is that? The Gallup. One of my Mm -hmm. top skills is an activator. It sounds like you have some activator skills in your repertoire as well. Right. (laughs) I heard it. Right. (laughs) Because that's how I am. Like, get an idea. Look, because by the time I do all the research, I might be done research myself out of the idea. Right. So I love Mm -hmm. your this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. Right. And and again, listening, listening to the universe, because that's important, because like when you said I got an email saying this, I got chills again. Right. Mm Because I don't think any of that is happenstance. Right. Right. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) And I just want to say the good thing about pivoting or sort of pausing on you want to do what and then leaning into this other opportunity is that now I have so much more clarity for you want to do what now I'm fully present going up for my business working specifically with women of color which before like I said I cast a really wide net and it was because I knew all the ideas I've been in marketing my entire career so I know the riches are in the niches I know all of those things right but when you feel like you've been so boxed in You say like, I just want to do whatever it is I want to do. I don't want to follow anybody's guidebook of what it's supposed to be, which is why it started very broad. But the beauty in that is I finally come around to appreciate that I know exactly who I want to talk to, which are women of color 
who want to start their own business and they're stuck and they want to start because I've been stuck in my head. I've been stuck in circumstances. I've been stuck in my environment, all the types of stuff that you could be. I've figured out how to maneuver out of it. And so now I'm very clear in what my purpose is for this season. Yes. Clarity is definitely key, right? Because it allows us to actually reach our target market easier, right? And you led Mm -hmm. right in to our (laughs) next question. So the next question is, what advice do you have for that person that's out there that doesn't know who to talk to? I have all these skills. I have these gifts. I know I want to be an entrepreneur. What advice do you have for them to figure out or find their niche? Yeah. So niche is a funny thing, right? Because some people think either they're good at nothing, which is not true. And some people think they're good at everything, which is probably also not true, right? No shade to the listeners, but we can't all be good at everything. And so it's really about finding that sweet spot. So I would say there's a couple of things that you could ask yourself. One sort of bucket those things that you're good at and the other people have told you were good at. So write them all down. And I don't mean it can be like the smallest thing. You can be good at laundry. And I'm going to tell you why you would think like laundry doesn't make sense. I saw a woman on Shark Tank a few months ago and she created a way. So when your bed sheets and all these things get tangled, when you're washing them, some little plastic contraption that keeps these sheets from not getting tangled in the laundry. So when you doubt your ability, think about the woman who got a deal on Shark Tank because she did enough laundry to be like, yo, I'm tired of untangling these sheets, I'm going to figure out how to do it better, Mm. right? So I want you to just think about that. Write down literally every single thing that you're good at, anything anyone's told you from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. And then I want you to start eliminating things by asking yourself, what do I want to do in five years? What of these things could I see myself still talking about, still operating in, in five years? There are going to be things on that list where you're going to say, there's no way I want to keep doing this for five years. There's no way I like this enough that I want to keep talking about it and educating people on or creating a business around this thing. So that's going to distill your list even further. And then really think, okay, of the final remaining items, how are these skills that you have or these products or services, how are they solving a problem in the market? And then start to assess, okay, how big is this problem they have? Is this really a problem? Is this a problem for like a teeny tiny group of people? Or is this a problem that has like a good chunk of an audience where you feel it really feel like you can make a dent? So start with those three steps and you'll be so surprised as to what you kind of see come out of it. I love that. Love, love, love it. Listen, Monica just gave us a three step blueprint to figuring out our niche oh my goodness no excuses we're doing no excuses in 2022 because that was amazing right that's funny that you said that you actually brought me back to 2017 you brought me back to 2017 (laughs) while i was listening to you right when i first moved down here to florida i knew i wanted to do the entrepreneurship thing again right i had Mm -hmm. done things in the past when i lived up in new jersey but I knew I wanted to do it. Right. So I did. I took the time. I wrote out this list of things that I was good at. Right. And but I didn't do one of your steps. Right. I didn't take a look and say, what do I want to do in five years? So when I first mm-hmm. started, I went to business events and I was introducing myself because I was going to create a, a scrapbooking business because I love the scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And when I went out and I was introducing myself to people saying, hey, I have a scrapbooking business, something about it didn't feel right. Like it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I love scrapbooking, but something about introducing myself as a scrapbooking business person, it just wasn't my thing. Right. So right. I really love that advice. I hope everyone's taking notes. Right. And then not only take the notes, but do the work, do the work. Because you also want to think about how you feel now is probably not what you're going to feel like in five years from now. But there are certain things that you love, that you've loved when you were a kid. You maybe loved as a teenager, as an adult, as wherever you are right now. So like those are the kind of things that you want to think about doing. And then also, there's also that fine line because what you said about the scrapbooking is really important. Something should just remain for us, right? Mm. Because once we actually start to do it with other people, now we're managing a business. So we're no longer scrapbooking. Now we're managing and operating and running numbers. And we're so far away from that thing, which in your case was scrapbooking, that you're not even doing that anymore. You have a scrapbooking business. But if somebody had asked you five years later, well, Nicole, how often do you scrapbook? You might scratch your head and be like, yo, I have a scrapbook in five years since I started this. Right. And so that's the thing. You also kind of want to delineate things that you want to keep for yourself, which are totally good. And we all need to have those things versus things that you're passionate about enough that then you want to share with the world and think about as a business owner. Mm, Another gem. And I loved your example of the lady from Shark Tank, too. Right. Because I feel like. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't do a business with that. And oh, nobody cares about that. Right. But many gifts can equal a business. Right. So I love that. She got a deal. She got a deal on Shark Tank with that little plastic thing that separated the sheets. Listen, listen, that took me away. All right. All right. (laughs) All right, Monica. I want to I want to dig into this marketing background. Right. We got to explore this marketing a bit because (laughs) I know I want some marketing tips. You know, hopefully y'all want some, too, because y'all about to get some. So tell us, give us some maybe let's say three tips or however many tips you feel like sharing with us that you feel like every entrepreneur should know in relation to marketing. Okay, so the first is that marketing is so important. I hear a lot of people say that they don't care about that aspect of the business or they resist. Why do they have to do it? What resists persists. So you can bang your head against the wall. You could punch at the wind, but you're still going to need marketing to get your product or service out there into the market. So a lot of people are also very resistant to social media. I got news for you, beloved. Social media is not going anywhere. So you got to learn to embrace it. But the way that you can make it better for yourself is you do not have to be every plate. And I think a lot of times, especially when you're beginning, people think I need to be everywhere. I need to be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, everywhere that there's something right now. There's these other signal and discord and these other places. You don't need to be everywhere. You need to be where your people are. So where if you're a podcaster, where your listeners are, if you're selling a product, where your buyers are going to be. So think about where those people are going to live because you can always expand later, but really focus on like one channel where you feel like you can confidently show up. If you don't want to show your face on camera and you hate, you know, things like the algorithm and all that, go on Twitter. If writing is your bag, go on Twitter and do that. If you feel more comfortable going on Facebook and that's where your audience resides, then play on Facebook. But pick one thing and really try to penetrate that market in that one specific area instead of choosing to spread yourself so thin 
that you're really not serving any channel to the best of its ability. All right. Listen, you got to you got to do it. You got to do it and keep it simple. That was yeah. my summary for that. You got to do it. So do it, but keep it simple. And don't underestimate like belly to belly interaction, like actually going out and meeting people the way we used to do it old school, right? When we didn't have all this social media, like we just have to meet another person and be like, hi, my name is, you know, insert name here. So don't resist that as well. Like I know that so many connections happen online, but there also is a real magic when you meet people face to face. I mean, look at that. We met in person in 2019 and we're still here keeping in touch with each other virtually. And so just don't exclude that as well. I know that you know, the world changing has gone as very used to maybe being inside and just interacting with each other on a screen, but there is a lot of power in in-person connection. So if that's something that still works for you, then I would say look at different ways to meet people through apps like Nextdoor or going on Meetup or finding other local areas where you can meet as a community because maybe your people are there also. I love that. So what I heard is basically like networking in sense is marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't want it to be transactional, right? But you also don't want your marketing to be transactional either. Like if you are on social media, I would never advise for you to say, buy my products, you know, sign up here and have that be the only thing that you do. It needs to feel social. There's like, a, it's not just social selling. The first word is to be social. So it's the same thing that you would do if you would go someplace in person. So build the relationships. It usually takes, if you're thinking about Instagram, people need to interact with you about seven to nine times before they're going to feel comfortable buying your product. Now, remember, that's an average. So of course, there's going to be people that are listening that said, well, I could just put something out there and people are going to buy it. And that's cool. But if you were to graph the amount of people that actually came to you just purely through a social media channel... And Instagram specifically, seven to nine times they need to interact with you to feel comfortable with you. So remember, things don't necessarily happen quick. You don't want it to just be a transaction because a transaction is very different from a relationship. And you want to build relationship with your customers, not just a transaction. A transaction is one time. A relationship is lifetime value. Yeah, listen. All the gems. I might have to name this episode All the Gems because Monica <laughs> is dropping all of the gems. I love it. Now, let's talk mindset. Monica, I yeah. know, right, that mindset is your jam, right? So I figured I'd keep it very broad for this one because I just want you to be able to free flow and do your thing. So what mindset principles or advice do you have for us? Oh my gosh, I have so many. One that I actually was thinking about this morning while I went out for my run is about this idea of control. And you've heard it before, but stop focusing on the things you can't control and focus on the things that you can. So I used to have this mentality and I referred to it earlier where the sky is falling. Mm -hmm. And so I would think that and I'm highly analytical. I got paid for many, many years to be analytical and so it bleeds into your everyday life and you start assessing risk and everywhere you see. And all that was doing was bringing me stress. It was bringing me anxiety. It was taking enjoyment out of things by constantly um, trying to prognosticate as to what might happen here and there. And it wasn't a way for me to, to personally live. So really focus on the things that you can control. And I promise you, if you start focusing on those things, you really got time to focus on the other things. So that's like the first thing I'll say. 
Also, when it comes to money and business, so many people of color, unfortunately, we come from a very lack mentality. It's happened in my family. Again, like I told you of that, just get that stable job. I remember as a kid, I was a pretty decent writer. And the school that I went to, I had a teacher in particular that used to submit my writing to contests that I didn't know about. And I would win some of these contests. And I remember the teacher going up to my mom during like one of those parent-teacher things and saying, you know, Monica is a pretty talented writer. Like, you, this is something you should pursue. And my mom dead ass told her she's never going to make any money doing that. Like, my mom could not see that that was a possibility that existed. She couldn't see like a Stephen King and all these authors that had, you know, gone on to have successful careers. She was just like, nope, you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, a business person. That's it. Like, that's all there is for you. So unfortunately, I think we come from this mentality of feeling like all of the things that can go wrong instead of all the things that can go right. So that's also like a really important principle. I had to start reframing everything. And every time I thought all these things are not going to go right, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to have any money. I'm going to be out on the street. All those things. Once I got older into a place where I felt a little bit more comfortable, I started to ask myself, well, what if things go right? And it's such a small question, but you'd be so surprised about how often we think of the negative before we think about the positive. And it has a lot to do with our conditioning. And then the last one I'll say, if you listen to hip hop, there's a million ways to get it. Choose one. That's what Swiss says in the song. And there are a million ways to get it. There is money out here for all of us. Do not believe what they try to tell us that there's not enough money for everybody because there is. Because if there's enough money for them, then there's enough money for us. So just choose your one. All right. I'm just can't too many people have me um, speechless. But my Monica, <laughs> she's doing the thing thing today. I love, You're a love sweet love. talker. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of those. And it's so funny because I can totally relate. You know, it's probably why we just, you know, get along so well because we're kindred mm -hmm. spirits. Right. Like the focus. I remember having one of those sticky notes. I put a sticky note, you know, like when I got into the place of realizing that I had to change the way I thought I put mm -hmm. sticky notes around. And one of the sticky notes reminded me that what you focus on grows. Right. And at that time, all I focused on, well, I'm not going to say all, but most of my focus was on negativity, right? Mm -hmm. And these are things that I really didn't want to happen, but yet that's what I was focusing on, right? So yeah. once I'm, I'm like, well, that, it's going to grow. Oh, no. Well, we love If I'm going to make something grow, I'm going to make the right thing grow. We're not going to make this thing mm -hmm. grow, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a word, a word, a word. <sighs> Your other one, right? I feel like it also relates to the focus. Right. But what I heard and our dedicated long time, I listen to all when hers United episodes. Y'all don't heard me talk about this time and time again. And I'm going to continue to talk about it because it was really impactful for me. It was a meme that I saw one time on wherever, let's say Instagram, one of the social sites. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was a little Tinkerbell on a cliff. She was like at the edge of a cliff mm -hmm. and, you know, she wanted to do something. And she said, well, what if I fall or it's either what if I fall or what if I fail? And it said, but what if you fly? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So so I, yeah. Right. Like, uh, right. And then abundance mindset, because I totally yes. agree with you. There is enough for everybody. And I think for me personally, what really was the epitome of me 
like accepting that and moving forward with that is I feel like I don't know if it was a narrative that made us feel like, oh, like sort of like, oh, copy off of them, you know, like sort of like you got to create something new kind of narrative. Mm -hmm. Right. But really, Mm -hmm. it's not too many things. Very, 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 very few things that are new underneath the sun. Right. So if you sit yourself down and make yourself feel like I can't do whatever, you know, because this person did it or because that person did it, you're really holding yourself back. And I saw a meme that was Rihanna. And it said, um, if I worried about how many other makeup brands were out there, Fenty wouldn't be here. You know, I heard Mm -hmm. people talk about anytime you think your idea isn't good enough, you know, or you're not worthy or whatever it is. Go look Mm -hmm. and see how many loaves or brands of bread there Mm -hmm. are on the bread aisle. Right. And I feel like I derailed a little bit from abundance. But in a way, I feel like it ties together. I don't know. That's what that's what my spirit led me to tell y'all. Right. (laughs) The bread one is the one that I also think about all the time is that there's tons of different brands of bread and nobody tells wonder, well, you can't be out here because I don't know, Fryhofer or whatever other brand there is. Right. They all exist for shelf space. And yeah, they have to fight for it. And I'm not saying we're not going to have to fight to get this money, but the money is there for us. We have to show up first in order for us to get that money because it's not going to come if we don't show up. At the very least, start showing up and being consistent with what it is that you're doing. And then I truly believe the money will come. Yes. A word. A word. (laughs) Have you gotten your ticket to the second WinHerd United Virtual Summit yet? The Early Bird Special is currently going on and the tickets are free. Yes, free. So go to winherdunited.com forward slash events to get your ticket today. And if you want to support the ongoing production of Winhurst United, your contributions are welcome and appreciated. There are two ways that you can do so. Via Cash App and Buy Me a Coffee. The Cash App handle for Winhurst United is dollar sign Winhurst United. And the Buy Me a Coffee URL is buymeacoffee.com forward slash winhers united all of these links will be in the show notes so go to winhersunited.com forward slash podcast to check out the show notes for season nine episode three thank you in advance for your support and remember that no donation is too small so Monica I didn't read y'all your whole bio right because I want to give everyone an opportunity to go to the show notes hint hint right but I did learn that imposter syndrome is something that you experience right Mm -hmm. I can totally relate first let's start with telling us what imposter syndrome means for those that may not know and then let's talk more about your experiences with imposter syndrome Yeah. So I think everyone has a slightly different definition of imposter syndrome. But for me, it's feeling like you don't belong in the space where you want to be. And that's either you telling yourself that you don't belong through negative self-talk or it's the idea of someone else telling you that you don't belong. And it's that feeling like you're just not worthy. You're not worthy to show up. You're not deserving. You're not qualified. All those you're not insert word there to me is what imposter syndrome is. And of course, I've experienced it. And at the end of the day, it does not serve you. So for me, I think, as I mentioned, even when I was thinking about first starting, you want to do what? 
the idea had first come to me in the very end of 2013, but I did not launch until 2017. So it was about three and a half years in between when I first bought a mic to start to when I actually launched. Because in that time, I was letting the idea of you're just a corporate person, you're a marketer, like this is not your thing, leave this to the professionals, you don't know what you're doing, people aren't going to listen. Like all those things just played in my mind over and over again. And really, what was that doing to serve me? I could have been here right now in this conversation with you talking about how I've been doing this for nine years, right? But instead, I let all that time go by doubting myself. And this is why it's like you just sometimes have to start. It's that same thing when I started the Run Club in 2020. Like I legit sat there thinking, no one's going to show up. When I was walking to that very first meet, I thought, I'm just going to go back. I'm not even going to show up because I don't even want to see that nobody's here. And when I showed up, like I said, there were seven people. And then the next week there was more. And every week there's been more people. And so that doubt still comes up. No matter the business that I started, that doubt still creeps up. But the difference now is that I didn't turn around when I was walking to that first Run Club meetup. I said, you know what? I'm going to show up. Because if it was the old me, then I would have just gone back to the car and just been like, forget it. This is a dumb idea. I'm going to just take it down and that's going to be it. So really, it's about making sure that you show up for yourself. Because once you do it the first time, I promise you, it gets easier and easier. When I started the podcast and I showed up finally for that first week, my only goal was show up every single week for the podcast. That's it. I didn't have goals in terms of how many listeners, how I was going to monetize, none of that. I needed to prove to myself first before I cared about anybody else that I could actually do this thing. That was so good. What stuck out for me was do it scared. Because in a way, it sounds like, you know, like imposter syndrome can also look like fear. You know, like you're scared to do something. So subconsciously, you're talking yourself out of doing it because you're scared to do it. You know, you're scared of the outcome. You're scared of what people may think, Mm -hmm. just scared, right? Yep. And I do agree with you that it may not ever disappear, right? But if you continue to go, you kind of learn coping mechanisms to keep going. The voice may not be as loud as it used to be in the beginning, but it may always be there, right? But pushing through, that's another word that came to me as I was listening to you, push through, right? Like just push through. Something I did at the end of December 2020, I had the first ever Winners United Virtual Summit, right? And then after the summit, like literally the day after, it was super great. Like so many accolades, like just so much good response and everything. And then a day after, I'm tearing myself apart for what I think I could have did better. Not anything Mm -hmm. anyone else noticed, not none of that, right? And I feel like, And I feel like that's a form of imposter syndrome as well, right? Like not giving yourself credit, you know, for your achievements, right? So what I had to do to combat that was actually take the time. Well, what I decided to do, I didn't have to do anything, right? What (laughs) I decided to do was to take the time. I wrote a list out of my whole 2020 and all of the achievements and all of the accomplishments because I feel like having that data, you know, that lets you know what you were capable of in the past 
can then also help you to push forward in the future when you hear those voices and when you get that self-doubt and when you feel defeated, you know, look at your list, where your checklist at, mm-hmm. you know, look at that mm-hmm. list and, and push through, right? Absolutely. So. I love that idea. And I would say do that and then even take it one step further, right? So name it, call it out. When you feel that this is happening to you, actually be like, oh, I see you. I see what's happening. Like say it out loud. So think about if somebody cuts you off, when you were driving, I'm from New York. So if somebody cuts me off, I'm going to honk my horn. And if I run up alongside them, I'm going to let them know what I think. Same thing, like somebody bumped me in the subway, same kind of thing, right? Very few of us just let the bump go. But you check the person. You check your own imposter syndrome the same way you would check somebody that was trying to play you. That's the way I see it, right? And you call it out. Like, I see what this is. This is my fear. This is my doubt. This is my imposter syndrome. Whatever that thing is, you want to name it, but name it so that you recognize it, right? And you could be like, oh, I see what's happening here. And it sounds like it's it's not going to be consequential, but it is because it's no different than that relief that you feel from letting someone know you shouldn't have cut me off. You shouldn't have bumped me. Like, it's not right. It's the same thing. That voice inside of you is trying to stop you from getting what's yours. So that day, when I was going to that first event, I realized that's what it is. This is fear. This is fear showing up. And I'm going to see like, okay, I see you. Well, you're going to come with me to the meetup too. So now there's going to be three people. It's going to be me, my best friend and fear because we still go into this meeting point. Right. And then once I was there, I mean, I'm talking to you now, but that first meetup, I had cotton mouth trying to talk to these people, telling them why I started it. And now I'm still there. I joke all that. And nobody would have ever thought that I had those nerves. But that first time, it was fear in my cotton mouth. It was fear in my body. It was all of those things that were happening. And then now it's gone. Right. So once you show up for it, you start to see that fear, that emotion start to recede into the background. Right, right. I love that. You made me think of something one of my coaches told me too, right? Like, look, if everybody everybody don't got that New York, that tri-state area <laughs> edge, right? So if you don't got the tri-state area edge, there is a, a softer approach that you could take as well, <laughs> <laughs> which is to tell your fear that you're safe. Like, we're safe. Thank you. Like, you even could thank your fear, right? Thank you, because it's just trying to keep you safe, right? Like, this is, is. new. This is foreign. You know, uh-oh, alert, alert, alert. But it's actually <laughs> alerting you of something that's good for you, right? So let yeah. your fear know, thank you. We're safe. This is what we're doing. And sort of like you said, and we going on to go to this yes. world together, you know? So I love that. Yeah, I like that. That's so much nicer than my <laughs> analogy to go run up on someone. Listen, <laughs> whatever work, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm I got a, a little bit progress, of thug on the know? side. I got a little bit of thug on the side, you know, but yeah. everybody might not be like us tri-staters. So we got to make sure That's we give right. it to them how they can get it. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So let's switch lanes again, right? Now, let's talk personal development. So tell me what you've done lately to develop yourself. So I've always journaled, but I started to realize that, and I don't know if this is a product of the technology age where we write less and type more, but I found like I wasn't journaling like all of my thoughts, right? I was sort of getting to this point and then I was kind of getting lazy about it and I wasn't fully flushing it out. And so I found this app where you can actually talk your thoughts into it. And you can do this just with a voice recorder on your phone. 
And the reason I like this app is called Journify. I'm not affiliated with this, so I'm not getting anything from it. But I basically record into it and it can actually transcribe your thoughts. So if you still wanted to have like a copy for yourself and to put it somewhere so you could look back on it, it's there. But when I go out for my runs, I always start with a walk and I will talk into this app and that will be the way for me to get my thoughts out. Right. And it's an important release for like a couple of different things. One, if I'm feeling frustrated and I just want to let that go, that's one of the things that it really helps me with. If there's things that I just want to remember that I haven't been able to jot down, I'll use it for that. But that's like a really big tool for me. I think it's helpful to like kind of have that clarity. I also keep a journal or like a notepad outside my bed. So I find like when I go to sleep at night, I tend to ask a question, right? So it could be like something I'm trying to figure out. Like maybe I'm trying to come up with like program or what I'm going to name it, or I'm trying to figure out like how I can find an event space or, you know, in a certain time frame. but I'll sort of put that idea in my head and then I'll go to sleep. More times than not, I'll wake up with a bunch of different ideas because the actual act of sleeping, your brain is clearing out all of the junk that you don't need to remember from the prior day. And so your subconscious is still working. So your subconscious is actually still working on whatever that problem is. So sometimes you'll have restful sleep, sometimes you won't, right? Because you'll kind of be thinking about that thing depending on how you went to bed. So I will put that question in my mind. And then when I wake up, I have that notepad to jot down whatever it is that comes to me. And the reason I started to use the notepad is because I would wake up and think, hey, yeah, I'm going to remember that. And I swear that shit was gone like an hour later. I was like, this idea that I was so sure I was going to remember is gone. So now I keep the notepad by the bed and I write down as soon as I get up, like any ideas I have. And sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. But just going through that process is super helpful for me. I preach journaling, right? Like, you know, sometimes people you get on the phone with somebody and they talking about whatever, 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 whatever. I was like, do you journal? You know, and journaling personally, (laughs) journaling professionally, just journaling period actually helps with the healing process of life Mm -hmm. and just being able to move forward. So I love, yes, (laughs) I love that that was your personal (laughs) development tip, you know, or your personal development practice, right? Mm -hmm. Sneak peek, right? I'm actually in the process of creating a Winhurst journal. Look, Monica got me telling telling the scoop, right? Um, look, now now I got to be accountable. I done said it. But yeah, I love journaling. And I actually love that that was your personal development thing. And I do agree with you as far as having a notebook by the bed. And even like, I can't get out the bed. Sometimes if I have an idea in my head, like right as I wake up, if I mm-hmm. get up, it, it might be, be gone. gone. Right. Yes. yes. So that is a very, very, very good tip. I told y'all Monica dropping these gems now. She dropping. <laughs> and I just want to say it has to be a notebook and not your phone because you might think like, oh, I'll just put it in the notes in my phone. But if you have notifications on your screen, when you wake up, if you start saying like, oh, this is a sports notification, this is an email notification, this is a text, you're going to start thinking of that. And that idea you have is going to leave your mind. So mm-hmm. that's why just make yourself the first priority. When you pick up your phone, you're actually making someone else the priority. So by keeping that notebook by your bed, you're making yourself the first priority, jotting down whatever ideas you have. And what's it going to be like a few sentences that you might have. But those sentences could translate to huge ideas for your business, huge ideas for you personally, your relationships, whatever they are. So do that first and then pick up the phone. Uh, Message. 
<laughs> message I like that I know from experience <laughs> right I want to take a step back too because I rushed over this but I love the I ask a question before I go to bed right you actually yeah. reminded me of one of the previous episodes where B Dixon the creator of the honeypot company right like mm-hmm. she got the idea for her business from a dream you know Hers is Mm -hmm. her ancestors came to her in her dream. But who's to say she didn't go to sleep saying, how can I solve this problem? Right. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, it's so important. And it's neurologically known that this will happen. So it's all like neuroscience of like what happens to your brain while you're sleeping overnight and all those things. So it's like I'm all into like the woo woo, but I'm also into the science as well. And I'm telling you, just put that thought, that question into your head and let the ideas go, like let them float while you go to sleep and see what comes up. And if you don't get it that night, then try it again another night. But I'm telling you, it will happen. That same inspiration that sometimes people get in the shower or they get on the toilet or they get while they're driving. Like inspiration comes in so many different places. But for me, a lot of times I will wake up and I will have tons of different ideas. Yeah. All right. So let's talk self-care. Besides fitness, what other ways do you practice self-care? So for me, it's driving. And so I need to drive someplace away from where I live. And so it's interesting because a lot of people who don't live in New York, they come here and they're stimulated by everything. But I think we get so used to our environment that it doesn't always stimulate us anymore. So for me, I've lived here my whole life. So New York and New Jersey doesn't stimulate me the way that it normally does for other people, right? So when I start taking drives out and just even going on a highway and seeing new things, that actually helps really relax me and sort of calm me down. So I'll either think of ideas or just sing along to music, like whatever it is that really does make me feel good in my spirit to just go someplace else and see something different for a while. And it can be a drive that's an hour away in a direction that I hadn't gone to or visiting some town or city that I'd never seen before. That's all that I can do within a few hours of me, right? So it doesn't mean taking off a day, it doesn't mean taking vacation, but just that change of scenery actually is really good for me personally to kind of fill my battery back up. Another thing I do is I dance. I dance for myself. I'm not out here. You're not going to see me on a show dancing and kicking it or anything Come on, like that. We want to see you. <laughs> for me, I love dancing. Like, that's my thing. I love music. I will put on whatever it is and I will just dance in my house. I will twirl like I'm a child. I will do whatever kind of dance makes me feel good in my spirit. And I'm telling you, you let go of all of your ish. When you start dancing, those endorphins come and you just start feeling good. It's not about dancing for fitness. It's about dancing for like mental health. Mm. So that's something else I do. And then the last thing is, you know, I spend a lot of time with my niece. My niece is four years old. And there's something about spending time with children. And it's different because if you're a parent and you're spending time with your own child, Mm. like your responsibilities are very different, right? You need to make sure that that child stays alive and is fed and all this other stuff. But when you can just spend time playing with children and getting on the floor and doing all that, you really forget a lot about what's happening with you and you become very present and connected to the things that you like to do as a child. There's this study that was done where they asked kids, the psychologists asked kids to assume the role of an adult and every child would straighten up and they would put a lot of bass in their voice and they would talk like that when they were referring to adults because that's how they see us. They see us as serious, they see us as rigid, 
So spend more time trying to play. And so that's something that I try to do as often as I can. Listen, look, Mama Carvey said I'm a sweet talker, but it's so genuine. <laughs> I am just in love with those answers. I love that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say driving again. I could relate to that, right? Because I love to drive. I love road trips and all of that. But it's so mm -hmm. funny because I think you actually taught me something. I don't know if I equated it to self-care. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. what I love about this question is I feel like it lets people know who you are, but it could also give people ideas of what self-care can look like, you know, if they don't know, but they want to figure out ways to do it. And then just now you showed me that it could tell us things that we are already doing that we didn't even realize was self-care. I'm like, OK. And for me, I want to say like some people like massages and they like, like getting their hair done and stuff. I actually really don't like any of that stuff. I get my hair done because we have to. We're women. We got to like upkeep and all that. Right. But I don't really like that time. I'm always thinking about something else I would rather be doing instead. And so those aren't the things for me that make me feel like I'm caring for myself. Like those are things that I feel like are maintenance to just kind of sort of show up in the world, but they aren't my forms of self-care. So if that maybe you have someone that's listening right now that feels like I could relate to that. I don't really like sitting in a salon for four hours to get my hair done. or I don't like necessarily, you know, I don't know, whatever that thing is or a bubble bath. There's other ways that you can practice it. Just think about the things if you're struggling with it. Think about the things that you enjoyed as a kid and then just try one of those things. Mm. If you like drawing, try to draw now as an adult. Just doodle, just do whatever. Just put your timer on for 30 minutes and start drawing. But try to connect to some of those things that you used to like. Like we used to like going to the club and doing all that stuff. So put on music in your house and just start dancing again. Do your little two step, get a solo cup and like just dance or like start to feel those <laughs> things that like you used to do. And you'll find that self-care comes in a lot of different ways that people don't talk about. Right. Right. I love it. Love it. And going back to your kid example, I love that you have these studies, uh, all of these study examples. <laughs> I'm just I love it. I, I love data. Right. Look, Monica said, I'm gonna tell you the thing, but I'm gonna give you the data behind it. Right. <laughs> When I heard you talking about kid, right, like I totally agree, like we are as adults, we're so high strung. Right. But, you know, as I was listening, it made me think of like, chill out. Hey, what they used to say yeah. back in the day, take a chill pills. I mean, some people might know that some people might not. Don't judge me. But that's what we used to say back in the day. Mm -hmm. Take a chill pill. Right. That might be an up north thing. But yeah, chill out, you know, yeah. and enjoy life. Right. All right. So tell me, you gave us examples of your self-care, but has self-care always been a priority for you? Why or why not? I think it always has been like in different ways. I think sometimes you show up more intentionally and then sometimes it kind of comes just sort of by need. But when I kind of go back to talk about how I used to be in therapy, or actually I still am in therapy because I think everyone should be in therapy. But when I was in therapy to sort of focus on like, uh, more crisis things of like kind of going through grief and like all those things. Like, I think at that point, like self-care was just kind of showing up for therapy and like doing that work for myself. But it's always been important for me to be really mindful of the time that I have. And I think that's because, you know, my family passed away when I was younger. And so I was able to see the things that, for example, like my mom always wanted to go to the Bahamas. Like that was the thing that she wanted to do. And she never got to do it. 
And I remember her being in the hospital saying like, oh, when I get out of here, like we're going to go, we're going to book that vacation to the Bahamas. And it's just something that didn't happen. So unfortunately, but I guess fortunately, if I try to extract the positive out of those terrible situations is that I got to get very close to people who were dying. And when you start to spend time with people that are dying, you start to hear about all the living that they wish they did. Mm. And so for me at that age, especially being so impressionable, you know, 15 when she got sick, 16 when she passed away, and then the other family members that, you know, passed on after that, I was able to get that passenger seat view of what that was going to be like. So for me, I might not have always called it self-care, but I've always been very aware that the time we have is finite and what can I do to have enjoyment in it when it's possible to have. And so you'll never hear me say, you know, when I retire, I want to do this or when I have X, then I want to do this. Like if I can find a way to do it now, then I'm going to do that because I'm very aware that time isn't promised. Right. Mm. That was deep. And she deep. (laughs) listen but it was so serious right so serious right Mm -hmm. (sighs) and it's those little things because now you know you see flights like from new york to the bahamas and it's like 225 that you could go right i'm not trying to say that 225 dollars is nothing but you think like okay well if it's 225 now then how much was the flight back then right and is there a way that we could have tried to save for that as opposed to her thinking that she had to wait all the way until she retired to be able to do something like that So I think that there's ways that you can try to give yourself those experiences now instead of putting some deadline that's so far out there that you don't know if you're going to get to. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Today, today. Mm -hmm. ASAP, right? (laughs) You know, what do they say? All work, no play. Like, it's about a balance. It's a balance, right? It's a balance. I love it. As a bonus, let's talk celebrating wins. All right. So tell us about your latest win and why it's important to you. Oh, that's such a good question. Okay. So professionally, I would say having like a nice full roster of clients that I'm working with are specifically the women that I wanted to work with, which are women of color. They're generally 40 and above that had this idea that it was too late for them, they're too old for them, that they couldn't actually do it. And we said, bump all that noise. We're going to create a plan to show you how to do it. So to me, that makes me feel really good because again, it goes into this idea of just breaking these molds and these ideas that other people have passed along to us. So that feels phenomenal to be able to support women in that way and to see their wins coming out of it. And then I would say personally, just the relationship that I have with my niece, like we're so close. And seeing her remember things that I teach her, like, you know, it gets dark so early now in the winter. And so we'll be able to look up at the stars and I'll try to show her about constellations and to actually hear her remember the word constellations and to like put those connections together. It just makes you feel really hopeful and really positive that I'm able to pass something on to someone else. And it's like this little person that's learning from me and that hopefully I'm adding value to her life. So that relationship is probably the most important one I have. Yes. Congratulations. I love that. Right. I think, you know, like really drilling down and getting to your people, that is a very satisfying feeling. So I actually love that that was your win. Right. And, you know, little little people, they they just, you know, amaze (laughs) us. They amaze. They amaze me. They're a trip. Yeah, me too. I love them. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So tell us what being a winner means to you. I think being a winner is in one part being really unapologetic about what it is that you want to do. So every year I come up with a word that I want to live for the year. And so in 2022, the word that I selected was confidence. And it's confidence in how I show up in spaces, confidence in the decisions that I make, confidence in the moves that I, I choose to maneuver in for my business, confidence in the way that I work with my clients, confidence in just in all facets of my life. And so to me, it's really sort of showing up unapologetically as yourself, remembering who you are and really not bending to the will of other people, right? Like you don't want to run anybody over like in my earlier example, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you're true to yourself, right? And so for me at this stage in my life to show up confidently in these decisions without worrying about the fear or what someone else is going to think or what someone else's opinion of it is going to be, to me, that's a real win her kind of movement. Yes, I love it. I love it. That's so funny. I do the same thing. This year, I did a phrase. Mine for this year is hone in, right? Okay. So I love that. Yeah. All right. So let us know any parting words or advice you have for us. And then follow that up with where we can find you, connect with you, stalk you, all of the things to get closer to you. Okay. So my parting words would be follow your fear because your fear is showing you where you're supposed to go next. And then where people could find me is on Instagram mostly. If you want the fastest response to interact with me, follow me at you want to do what on Instagram. Or if you're interested in becoming a runner or just really moving your body without any sort of competition, it's a local community in that we meet, but it's a universal community for the principles that we adopt, which is to move because it feels good and not to be in competition. You can find me on Instagram at slowafjc. And if you want to work with me, just hit me up there and we can put a plan together so that you can take your business from stuck to start. Yes. Thank you, Monica. I'm so glad to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed this interview with Monica and I hope you did as well. My takeaway was to write a list of things I desire to do, then do a process of elimination based on whether or not I can see myself doing these things in five years. This was really good for me because I have many goals and talent. So sometimes I get stuck when trying to figure out what to do now. What's your takeaway from this episode? Send me an email and let me know. My email is whenhersunited at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. One of my models is sharing is caring. So I sure hope that you care to share. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode to read Monica's full bio, to get the Cash App handle for Winhurst United, to get the direct link to my Buy Me A Coffee page, to get the link to get your ticket to the Winhurst United Virtual Summit, and more. We'll be back in two weeks with another amazing, winning woman of color entrepreneur. But until then, as always, be empowered and empower on.